Too many cooks, 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 too many cooks. Takes a lot to make a stew. Extra nice, make it up, open something. Too many cooks, too many cooks, too many cooks, too many cooks. There we go. There we go. Ah, all right. God, Jesus, I really am a fucking... Why does anybody pay attention to me? Look at me. I am an I am a poorly groomed madman. What is going on here? Man. Uh, that's the downside of cutting your own hair is that once it starts growing out, the deficiencies and uh, failures become pretty uh, obvious. I gotta cut my hair again. Uh, I gotta get my hair again. Definitely got to cut my beard again. I will lose 10 pounds as soon as I just snip this fucking thing. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Anybody excited for Crudes 2? I know I am. I know we were all asking, where's more Crudes? We were all sitting here waiting for Crudes. Waiting with cupped hands for the beneficence of the Crudes to be to be lauded upon us, and we sat through a horrible uh, election in 2016, and and uh, uh, four years of uh, fascist tyranny, and and a horrible pandemic, and the whole time we had no motherfucking crudes. Now here, though, at the tail end of our pandemic, which thanks to the election of uh, Joe Biden and the release of these 95% effective, no problems to worry about, everything's going to be fine vaccines, what do we get? We get the crudes to balm the soul of a nation. I mean, what's not to love about all of our large political and uh, economic and cultural institutions that, yes, they might lead you in the lurch for a while and have a crazed Cheeto-stained dictator ruling by tweet, and then his incompetence unleashing a biblical plague upon the land, but at least those systems can correct themselves and say, we're very sorry we allowed that to happen. Goodbye, Trump. Goodbye, coronavirus. Hello, crudes, too! Crudes, too! You know what the Croods are called? You know what the names of the characters in the Croods are? Emma Stone is the daughter of the Crude clan and is sort of the main character. That's Eep. Uh, Nicolas Cage's character, who's her father, the patriarch of the Croods, is Grug. And, there's, uh, and his wife is Catherine Keener's character named Ugga. Uh, and then there's I believe Eep's younger brother, Thunk, played by Clark Duke. And then you've got Eep's boyfriend, the more evolved, more worldly, more globalist uh, cave person who's trying to lure the crudes out of their cave and into some valley, i.e. breaking up traditional society and, and turning it into uh, globalized capitalism. His name is literally Guy. The rest of them all have just noise names. And then the, the worldly metrosexual who comes to take the young girl away from it all is named Guy. It's amazing. Propaganda on full display. Anyway, I'm very excited about the Croods. I'm very excited. I mean, we were all waiting for more Croods, weren't we? That's the crazy thing to me about the way that they keep making sequels to every uh, cartoon franchise, because it does seem to me that cartoon movies, kids' movies, 
are the only films where you can have where a studio will put money on an original piece of intellectual property in the form of big big tentpole stuff. But even you know, like the Croods isn't that old. The Croods came out in 2015. There were two different movies about fucking uh, Bigfoots and Sasquatch and Yetis that came out like last year. Boss Baby. Like they actually, the kids are because there's always new ones and they're all very small and they don't really remember things because like the the kids who uh, you know liked Frozen by now they're too old for those movies anyway. You're pitching it to their younger siblings or 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 who who don't have necessarily haven't seen Frozen. So you can give them something new, and yet we still keep creating these sequels when the audience is always changing. It's astounding. Zendaya is Michi. It's true. So when the Croods came out, I remember just having that word just clanging around my head nonstop. I wrote, I look back, actually, it was reminded today by the Croods, and I looked back and I saw how many tweets I had done about the Croods back in 2015 when I had no followers and no one to give a shit who I was, including myself. And it was, all of them are terrible. I do not recommend looking at them. Uh, but they definitely showed that, like, the, the Croods as a concept stuck with me. Uh, and then having a sequel come out now, in this moment of time, like, hey, you know what else? More Croods. The Croods you love are back. The rude, crude dudes with the crude attitudes are back. Just a little too much. I am now definitely uh, crude-pilled, that's for sure. It definitely shows how nothing, uh, how how like the the logic of the cultural logic of late stage capitalism, to use an obnoxious term, um, does mean like a, a event horizon of creativity, where nothing new can be built, and we just get more crudes. Oh man, a movie about Operation Midnight Climax. That whole operation they had in San Francisco is pretty amazing. You could imagine would be an amazing movie, but yeah. Uh, I would like to see it, that's for sure. There's a couple of things I've thought about trying to... Well, I mean, I don't know. Probably not me, but movies I've wished would get made by somebody. Uh, MKUltra in general, but specifically Midnight Climax, really interesting. Uh, if anyone doesn't know what that is, that was part of the overall MKUltra program of uh, mind control and interrogation research with drugs that included LSD dosings, a lot of it was in the form of grants, and this is an important thing about you know the, the 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 nature of institutions and capitalism, is that most of that LSD was distributed not by you know CIA agents dousing uh, water tanks or whatever, uh, but by grants to universities and prisons, uh, and hospitals. Uh, McGill University and uh, uh, had a uh, their medical center had a huge uh, uh, grant from the MK Ultra. Uh, there, uh, Harvard did, and it was at Harvard that uh, young Ted Kaczynski was unwittingly dosed with shit tons of LSD, and where uh, a nearby prison, a young Whitey Bulger was dosed with tons of LSD. Uh, and I believe, I'm not sure if this is true, I mean, one of the, of course, the Haight-Ashbury Free Clinic in San Francisco, where uh, Charles Manson visited on a daily basis with his pro 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 uh, probation officer. I believe the hospital that Sirhan Sirhan uh, went to to deal with his uh, riding injury because he had a concussion when he fell off a horse because he was a jockey uh, was treated at a hospital that got MKUltra funding. I'm not sure if that's true, though. I remember reading that a long time ago when I was more into assassination shit. Uh, but the most outlandish way they did it was they had a bunch of former... Uh, and current uh, federal narcotics agents who are either CIA operatives or contract officers in San Francisco uh, pay local sex workers to dose their customers. And it was often filmed at CIA front bordellos uh, through two-way mirrors, or one-way mirror, or whatever the hell they call them. And 
that's kind of nuts when you think about it that the U.S. government did that. The U.S. governor has like eight millimeter film of like some fucking, uh, you know, some merchant seaman from uh, from Scandinavia headbutting a fucking mirror because he just got a ton of acid put in his cocktail, or like some uh, some Marin County Square in for a, a fun weekend goes jumping out the window in sock garters. Kind of wild that that happened. So yeah, that would be a good... I would love to see someone tackle that subject. It's very ripe for inquiry. But another one I've thought very fascinating is the Mothman uh, phenomenon in 1966 and 67 in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Now, there is a movie called The Mothman Prophecies that deals vaguely with that story, but it's a deeply terrible film and a horrifying waste of one of the most interesting paraphenomenal... Para phenomenal events in American history because the Mothman prophecies was not simply a case where a bunch of people in the, uh, uh, the, the Appalachian boundary between Ohio and West Virginia in the mid sixties saw a flying thing that looked like a moth, although a lot of them did. And uh, people described being pursued by a f- giant flying creature with big, bright lamp eyes uh, down highways. Uh, but also a ton of, a ton of UFO sightings that went to and included uh, uh, close encounters of the fourth kind. See, uh, or is that fifth? I don't know. But uh, people describe being brought onto ships and like conversing with aliens who had names like Indrid Cold. And uh, and part of it, one one of the prophecies was. Uh, a, a rec- was um, and p- was phone calls made in a very odd ethereal sort of robotic voice to local uh, reporters and, and and citizens that spoke of a coming catastrophe in the area, and uh, then I believe in the winter of 1966 or early 1967, uh, a local bridge over the I believe Ohio River collapsed, and it killed dozens of citizens. It was a massive, massive uh, catastrophe. And then it stopped shortly after that, or a little while after that. No one was ever explained, nothing's ever explained it. Uh, there was a former, uh, there was a military, former military munitions plant in the area that is like what led to the initial town existing. They like made dynamite up in the hills, and it was in the on the grounds of those former uh, military munitions facilities that a lot of people, which was like a makeout point in the area that a lot of people saw the Mothman. And there's a lot of explanations for it, and I think the idea that it might have been a essentially Operation Midnight Climax on a local scale is certainly one of them. What if we gave a whole town acid? What would happen? It sort of does seem to be the next logical step to what they ended up doing. And there's no reason to believe they ever had to stop for any reason other than their own inertia because who, is, who knew what was happening and who would have stopped them if they could have or if they had known. Uh, I always thought that it would make a really interesting visual uh, narrative, either like a film or a TV show, uh, because of the multiplicity... Oh, I forgot. It's also where... One of them, it's either where the men in black were first established as a trope in culture or uh, one of the most concentrated places where that was the case. Because one of the big elements of Mothman prophecies was weird looking dudes in black outfits showing up on the side of the road, riding with people, coming to their houses, asking them about if they've talked to anybody about uh, any encounters with aliens they've had, having weird, confused reactions to basic human technology. Uh, and when you take that whole thing into account, it's this big prism of, you know, uh, of 60s. It's like, it's a sort of like a micro nervous breakdown within like the greater social organism, uh, and what caused it, you know, where'd it come from? Uh, I think any interesting narrative that dealt with it would want to not establish any one answer to that question.
it, it, it would it would attempt to leave to to assume ambiguity as the as as the natural state and to resist the imposition of a, of a false uh, explanatory model I also uh, the guy John Keel who wrote the big book about Mothman prophecies and very well might have been a huge fraudster who was responsible for the whole thing or large chunks of it which is another uh, explanation people have uh, proposed didn't think that they were anything had to do with aliens from other planets uh, he essentially thought that they were mental projections of the people uh, in the area because of the ability of the mind to interact with like the physical reality in such a way to to change it if like if through some fluke concentrated will is applied to a moment you know with enough vigor and you know that's it might not be true in some sci-fi sense but it's true in this in the sense that if enough people believe in something hard enough they can remake the world in the image of whatever that thing they believe is no matter how unconnected to reality it is there have to be enough of them and they have to believe sufficiently to and that and that, that doesn't just mean they think it you know close their eyes and think about it it means they live and act from that belief the tulpa yes But I would like to see something about the Mothman prophecies that, that includes all of those elements, is, uh, like Keel being a fucking con artist, the CIA, or the army doping up everybody, uh, mental projections, uh, real uh, UFOs being involved and real aliens being involved, or uh, extra-dimensional beings, all of it on the all of it, all of it on the table. And all of it interacting with each other, even though they're mutually con contradictory realities. I definitely do think that if there is such, if, if UFOs do carry with them an alien intelligence, it is more likely to be interdimensional than uh, extraterrestrial. But I've talked about that before. Crudes! Crudes. Somebody wants to know what superstructure is. I think of, I mean, you can get a definition from Wikipedia, but what I, the way I think of it is, it is the, it is the flesh, and muscle and skin that are around, and supported by and in in uh, response support the bones of uh, the means of production that undergird the social order itself. So capitalism would be the bones of our uh, social order, the thing that actually moves around, the thing that actually uh, gets you from one place to another and occupies and, and you know, moves space, moves through space and touches things and manipulates reality. And everything else is, is the, the sinews that move it around. Culture, broadly construed, our political institutions, our cultural institutions and the pr products of those cultural institutions our, um, our social beliefs, our religious beliefs, our values most broadly stated. And there is a vulgar uh, base superstructure argument that gets the kind of, kind of uh, unfairly boiled down to saying that none of that superstructure stuff like matters because it's not what's generating social conditions. And that's not true. It matters a great deal. And all change occurs first at the superstructural level. Like all 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 change anyway that is that can be funneled towards like, you know, human uh human freedom, human humans reaching consciousness is, is what I mean when I think of that. Like I don't mean freedom in the the Western sense. I mean like freedom from species alienation. That all starts at the superstructural level. Uh, and then, you know, it, within that level, uh, it, then is, it then changes people's behavior and their interactions with the social, the modes of productions that they are part of, 
like people joining unions, for example, you know, that's generated superstructurally. But the question of what superstructural elements are load bearing and which ones are epiphenomenal and have no and cannot have any impact, that is a question that has to be answered. It cannot be assumed. And I feel like one of my goals here on this thing recently has been to try to say that that the critique that a lot of people have on a lot of elements of the political structure, uh, the things that they have dismissed as sort of you know time wasters, is more expansive than is assumed because it in reality the stuff that can't really move the wheel includes a lot of the stuff that we is that's all we have because of the, our denatured and desocialized uh, existences. I love being orthogonally or undergirded, booed. It's great. I love it. If it wasn't for un orthogonal undergirding, I would be up shit's crick. That squirrel that Amber has in her uh, is not her pet in the sense that he doesn't live with her, but it's she has a lot of squirrels in her yard and they are uh, very friendly and that is the friendliest one, I guess. Clearly has some sort of prior relationship with humans. So sometimes comes inside and says hello. It's pretty cute. She really is turning into St. Francis. I have seen a black squirrel. Recently I saw a white squirrel. Both very cool. I hope to still play Cold War uh, with Felix at some point. We have to. We've had a trouble getting that gaming rig set up, so it's it's made things harder. And of course, COVID has also restricted our ability to get together in the office anyway. So, hopefully, after we're all microchipped, we can do it. Do that. Uh, I gotta say, man, this vaccine shit. I don't think it's the Great Reset, and I don't think that there's Jeffrey Epstein's jizz in them, but is there any reason to think that this process of creating these vaccines would meet any standard of, of that, I, that you would feel comfortable with? I mean, the main thing that makes me think that is that I've talked before about how the real problem from the standpoint of the this government, you know, from capital broadly, like the ruling class with COVID is there's no uh, ability, will, whatever you want to call it, to suspend the economic circulation that we currently have involving uh, our consumer-based uh, retail um economy uh, is that that it's well they're not going to suspend it and in the absence of suspending it with with COVID out there and with people afraid of COVID they're just no matter what they do with opening and closing places it's going to make it that much much people are much less likely to go out and spend and and circulate the capital the way that they're supposed to the way the system requires them to now, what the Trump administration was going for was herd immunity. They were saying, get everybody infected and hurry it up and we'll just act like it isn't happening. And the thing is, is that that might have actually worked in the sense that we could have 
for, uh, kept people out and about, kept things open, kept kept the the big collapse of the economy from happening. Uh, now a lot of people would get sick and a lot of people would die, but we could accommodate that. If we focused our COVID response on that, maybe we could do it. The problem is people aren't ready to take that risk. They have to be managed into it. They have to be got to get to the point where they're willing to take that risk as as a as a uh, way of you know uh, recontributing to getting back out there, which everyone wants to do. And the big problem for Trump, the Trump approach, is that they were governing from within the epistemic bubble of the Republican Party because Trump only watches Fox News, and even his advisors are mostly totally bubbled off. In that they took. They assumed that their stance, fuck it, it's not real, let's just go out and, and drink margaritas, would, could be uh, made the default stance through uh, essentially um, a propaganda campaign in this form of telling people, what are you, a pussy? You know? And the problem was is that it didn't work, is that the Republican base is really a minority of Americans. Like, they aren't, there aren't that many of them. Like you've got all the Democrats who vote who, who don't like them and don't accept their framing, and then you've got the people who don't vote, the vast majority of whom are not tied into this stuff, these resentment factories the way they are. And so they could never sell to people, ah, just go outside, who cares? Now when I say this could work, I don't mean it's going to save lives. People will die. I will mean it will work in the sense that you could keep the economy open maybe. If people just accepted COVID as a risk, the Republicans did that because most of them didn't believe it was real or that it was made up. Now, you might say, yeah, a lot of them died choking to death. Sure, but they didn't get to say anything after that. They don't get to write an op-ed saying, oh, by the way, COVID's real. They're fucking dead. And the ones who get it and don't die are probably too committed to their politics to ever fucking admit they were wrong anyway. If we're all just like dying one by one, if we're all dying alone in America, which is the only way you can die in this country, then even as the bodies stack like cordwood, it's just part, it's just, it's not as bad as it would have been if we hadn't done it this way. And they, but the problem is they could not convince anybody of that. They cannot, they could not convince anybody outside of their bubble to do that. They were, everyone else is like, nah, man, I would rather not risk permanent lung damage to get a fucking hamburger. And as a result, you have this contraption that we created, the worst of both approaches, where you harm the economy as bad as it could be harmed without actually saving any, uh, that many lives and preventing the spread. Uh, because we were wedded to keeping the economy open. And everything sprouted from that. And so we got this dog's breakfast response. But... Even for the Democrats, especially now that Trump's in, they have every incentive also to get people back out there. And how do you get them out there if they're not going to be swayed by the Republican pitch? You give them a vaccine. That, and that, and does, it, does, it, does it have to work 95% effectively? Does it have to give you any of the outcomes that it's supposed to? Not really. It's supposed to get people back out there. And if there's a problem, we'll deal with it then. We'll build some mass graves. We'll build some more hospitals. We'll get a big machine that makes fucking uh, ventilators. But people will be back out shopping. The emergency will be over. The demand for government subsidy at, uh, at the uh, demand level will be reduced, which it must, because these people need to shut the fuck up about getting more checks. Because if the people find out that money is made up, and that the Fed literally just puts numbers into a goddamn machine and they can, they've can they given trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars to the wealthy in the form of, uh, in their banks, the banking sector, that is just conjured from thin air and that they could do that for the regular people of this country, it would be an existential challenge to the existing system. Cannot be allowed to occur. So every incentive in the world, and of course the the financial incentives of the fucking drug companies all run towards rushing this thing and fudging the numbers. And maybe, and then you've got an entire media which believes in science. They, you don't even have to brainwash them or bribe them. They will, just because of their naive enthusiasm for fixing things, their 
secret but un, an unstated preference for Biden over Trump and the Biden approach to the vaccine to Trump's. Uh, and they're now very strong association of between uh, being skeptical of vaccines and being a uh, benighted reactionary, even uh, independent of the Trump stuff. If you're an anti-vaxxer in educated circles, it means you are a uh, you are a Neanderthal. And so when this vaccine shows up, they have every incentive to go along with whatever Pfizer and Moderna and the government say. They have every incentive to look the other way when stories appear about problems with it. And I'm not saying that there is a problem with the vaccine. I'm just saying I, uh, I, it's, it's not a very trustable process, as they say in Philadelphia. I'm just glad that no normal person is going to get it for months anyway, so we can uh, uh, we can take a look. Yes, I am just asking questions, I'll admit. But come on, someone has to with this shit. Like, the vaccine language is so poisoned that you cannot say anything about it without becoming one of them. And it's like, yeah, those people are morons. But also... This in with Biden in office, this is going to be how they keep you in line. Is by contrasting what they want to do with the alternative in the form of uh, the, the unreconstructed Trump hordes who are waiting to take power. So if everybody gets it and they're fine, I'll take it and I'll go back out to eat. Fuddruckers, here I come. Oh, no, it's gone. I mean, it's not going to make... It doesn't have a microchip in it. That's stupid. You couldn't even... You, that technology... If the technology to get a fucking microchip in you with a vaccine exists, guess what? We're already microchipped. They would just put it in the drinking water. But I'm certainly not going to say I won't take it. If, if, if people are doing all right and there isn't every other thir every third person doesn't have permanent DreamWorks space, I'll take it. Ter Did you just say terrified of liabilities? Who's liable for anything in this fucking country? The fucking Republicans are making sure that whatever meager stimulus we get is contingent upon a blanket immunity from of everybody from all of the people they killed in the public sector, the private sector by making them work in unsafe conditions. That's like the basic starting point of negotiations around everything else. You can get enough money to prevent your child from starving to death, but only if you give waive your right to sue the person the, the fucking institution that got her sick in the first place. Yeah, my whole thing with all the fucking great reset uh, anti-vax paranoia stuff is everything you're afraid of it's already there they don't need to microchip you no one needs to be microchipped you have a fucking phone you're taken care of apparently Pfizer already has immunity so they are they before they even fucking negotiated the terms they knew they weren't going to have to worry about it. Yeah, like we don't all those uh, so much of this and, this and and especially on the right, so much conspiracy thinking is like mid 20th century John Burt shit, fluoride in the water of uh, reactionary paranoia. And the thing is, is that the stuff those guys were worried about all happened. Because what they were really horrified by was capitalism's inexorable, monopolizing, atomizing grasp. But they couldn't see it because they had all the American dumbass ideology in their head and material interests uh, that prevented them from seeing it. But what they were worried about, besides losing hierarchy, what they were really worried about was was the the everything solid melting into air and that happened but it wasn't the communists who did it it was capital
Conspiracy theory. Holy shit. Did you did you think of that bad for business, bro? Conspiracy theory is true crime for boys. Wow, we have a winner there. Somebody gets the uh, Amazon gift card of the week on that one. That is correct. It serves the exact same purpose. It is a fantasy of powerlessness. The fantasy of uh, of being dominated and losing control. The fa- the fantasy of, of of victimhood that women engage with with true crime oh she was kidnapped walking uh, her dog what ne- happened next will horrify you and for the boys for whom that kind of fear is inaccessible because we're the ones who do that shit well who could who could dominate us who could make us supine who could render us ball gagged and thrown in the trunk of a car the deep state or the reptoids or the Bilderbergers or the international communist conspiracy or aliens. But yeah, in both cases, it is a like gender-coded expression of underlying uh, a, a um, an eroticized feeling of uh, of loss of control that we that we that we have to eroticize in order to, to live with because it is so, so destabilizing. And of course, the, the, the conditions that create both of those sensations are, are both generated by the same underlying dynamic of social atomization, blah, 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 you know. You know the drill. The whole, this whole deal that we live in. Yeah, like the conspiracy theory, the, the, the true conspiracy theory, that all other conspiracy theories are, are just a, a sort of a blind man grasping an elephant refraction of, is the international capitalist conspiracy, and it's not a conspiracy. But it's spoken of in language that has essentially been, had its polarity reversed by the hegemonic ability of superstructural institutions like the media to define reality and define our relationship with reality so that they don't have to hide anything. Fucking Ben Bernanke went on 60 Minutes uh, during the 2008 crisis and said, oh, when the Fed lends to banks, uh, they just put numbers in the machine. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't come from anywhere. They just said that. Yes, it is a banal take. It's true. Banal things are true, and this is one of them. Yeah, we're only able to do that because we're the reserve currency, but no matter what China and Russia are doing, we're going to be the reserve currency for the foreseeable future. We could try to fix the economy with a direct, massive injection of cash at the bottom of the distribution uh, curve. We could do that tomorrow. Helicopter dump. Bloop! And that's what MMT says. They say, we could do that. And the thing is, yeah, we could. But the reason we don't, the reason we don't do it isn't because at the top they don't think you can. They know you can. They don't want to. Because the interests that they embody and represent are opposed to it, fundamentally. And therefore, it's not going to happen. So, it's beside the point whether or not it's true. It does not change the calculus of those in power. Because convincing them is not the question. And even if you're saying to use it to convince regular people, I'm sorry, at the end of the day, this is all noise. And as much as we like to think that we can meme our way and lack off our way and frame and Overton window our way to something, that's really us justifying our contribution to the discourse. Because maybe all those voices blowing together will push the sail. But the sail is, is not, it's not there. There's holes in it.
Yeah, MMT is descriptively true, but I don't understand. If it is descriptively true, all the arguments about it, they seem premised on something else, some idea that it means something, that it's systematically true, that it's, that it's descriptively true. Unless, unless people organize to change the calculus of power, nothing's going to change. And I don't think that you do that with those sort of uh, appeals. Maybe down the line it can form like a, uh, a, a way to convince some fucking nerds in the media to give you a chance once you have established a real beachhead of power and are pushing forward. But once With all else in, in, in left spaces, it's putting the cart before the horse. But that's because there's no horse. I wonder, are, do you get a choice of which vaccine you get? Has that been determined? Is it by states? And one of them is one shot and one of them is two, right? I don't really know. They're both two shots. Damn, that feels... Oh, boy. That's not great. Just getting people back for a second one is going to be such a pain in the ass. I wish they were, like, bright green like the shit in Reanimator. Can we have, like, fun... How much, how much would it cost to just put a little food, food coloring in there? Just get that, like, the, the radioactive green, like, ecto-cooler-looking thing from Reanimator. I think that would be pretty boss. But speaking of putting cart before the horse, a lot of people are like, oh, we have the vaccine. Well, now it's going to be, I mean, okay, fine, it's good. It's a great vaccine. It does the job. And... People want to take it. You don't even have to worry about the fact that, what, 35, 40% of the population is going to resist taking it? Uh, how are you going to get it to them? Do you really have a lot of faith in this country? Creating a transportation infrastructure? It's probably going to be like the fucking, uh, like, the, like the last day of Trump's administration, the My Pillow guy is going to get a contract to like distribute them in like the fucking... Uh, in his stupid pillows. Or just like a subcontract to have all of his delivery trucks right, going around and his drivers are just shooting it out of t-shirt cannons at people. I mean, unless we put it in the fucking McBurgers, if we don't put it in the McNuggets and, and, sh and such, I don't know how the hell it's going to work. I would be surprised if the the uh, the coercive mechanism that they end up using to get people to take it is with people's jobs, not the government. Because the same people who would say, you know, uh, Molon Lab, come and take it. I'm going to barricade my family in my house and with my gun and kill you if you try to uh, have the government forcibly vaccinate me. Would probably take it if their boss told them they'd be fired if they didn't. And they probably would just whine about it a little bit and then forget about it. And then you've got all these guys who think that they're fighting for liberty and think that they understand the threat to, to human dignity just shrugging their shoulders and being ordered by their bosses to do something that they thought was fundamentally opposed to their 
their identity because it wasn't the, the government. Because these dumbasses think that there's some fundamental distinction between these coercive institutions. But the main thing about when I say like it might not be, it might not even work at the way it's supposed to and it won't matter is because by the time we find out it doesn't really work, are we really all going to go back inside? Probably just accept higher risk of dying of COVID as a fact of life. And if assimilated it, just takes time to do it. But you're at the place that Republican policyholders wanted everybody to get on in March. And then everything between March and whenever that date comes is essentially just the time it took to manufacture the consent for it. What undergirds the superstructure of the economic base? The bones. There would be no whistleblowers? Sure there'd be whistleblowers. And I bet they'd be dismissed as anti-vax cranks. And even if they weren't, what's the big, what happens? Even if the story gets out there, it's going to be assimilated by people who just, what do they do all day? Assimilate news and then get annoyed about it and then don't do anything about it. Do I think, uh, this is kind of an interesting question, do I think that um, shit, I, I lost it. Uh, do I think that COVID response is like eugenics? Uh, I think this is a perfect example of how a lot of these categories get confused and, and all, you know, the, 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 the explanatory power getting getting removed from concepts that should otherwise be useful. I would say that the COVID response absolutely has a eugenic effect and that the distribution of infection and death, uh, which is disproportionately among the poor and therefore disproportionately among economically uh, 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 deprived or, or uh, disproportionately economically deprived communities, uh, reduced any incentive among policymakers to actually deal with the virus and allowed them to do the most expedient thing, which would have been harder to do if the demographic makeup of the victims had been different. But it was not eugenic in its intent. It was spend the least amount of money, require the least amount of, uh, of non-market social interaction, basically, uh, and keep the fucking wheel spinning. That was the actual, that was the, inst and, and it just, it just so happens though, that the function of the system creates things like eugenic, uh, uh, disease outbreaks and, and a, a mass concentration of immiseration that is disproportionately felt along ethnic lines by its very nature. But the nature is one of profit extraction. It is not one of specific racial animus. And the, the, I think that that's more than pedantry because that fact suggests certain other facts about the way to organize to devote to defeat it. Majority white podcasters can keep working from home. Absolutely. I would never complain about 
fucking what anything that I've had to suffer under COVID. I would never self-indulgently tweet about how miserable I am because I can't go to a bar or whatever because I am one of the most fucking privileged people on earth when it comes to, like, actually privileged, not privileged discourse, when it comes to being able to deal with uh, COVID, not, not have to risk my life or, or see, you know, uh, me have to risk the lives of family members just to fucking stay alive, stay, keep my head above water and keep a roof over my head. I'm insanely lucky. So I would never fucking complain about it. I know it's, it's, it's absurd and it's obscene. No, I'm not. I don't. I wasn't taking that. Uh, I wasn't taking offense at that. I was just acknowledging. It's like, yeah, it's fucked up. But honestly, I feel like it's more fucked. Up. It's it's less fucked up that I specifically get to live this way than how how hard it is for so many others to to live. Not that anyone should live the way I do. The way I live should not exist, but that the that the removal from from uh, the removal from precarity and the the anxiety and misery accompanying that, or physical like physical bodily uh, compromise, should be universalized. I sound disingenuous? Yeah, probably. It's just I don't know what else to say about it. You know, it's like, I can't... I mean, I could I could get a real job, I guess, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and, and I, I mean, maybe I even would do that if I felt it would help any other person on earth have anything, like have their lives be any better, but it wouldn't. I would not last one day as a crude. And I think that's one of the reasons that I was so entranced by the crude. Because it's, it's a world that I could never live within. It is fully alien. And I just imagine those, those crudes and I just think, what's it like to be a crude? And I feel like if I could ever really imagine myself living as a crude, loving as a crude, if I could ever find myself in that mental place, then on that day I feel like I would finally have achieved the ability to inhabit any consciousness and will have truly transcended the illusion of separation. God, the crudes came out in 2013. Jesus Christ. Eight, seven years later. Wild. Seven, so all the kids who saw the Croods when they were seven are now 14. They don't want to watch the Croods. And the kids who are seven now weren't alive when the Croods came out. Now, maybe they watched the Croods you know, on video or something, but they've watched 500 million other things. Why do they need to see more Croods?
Or I guess that's it. Is that like you had the crudes when you were a kid and now you're grown up and no, that's not long enough. I guess, I don't know. I don't know how long kids watch the crudes. Adults aren't watching the crude shit like it's Pixar anymore. And by the way, I hope adults aren't watching Pixar anymore. I hope we got over that phase collectively where you had to pretend that those are uh, real challenging artistic tales for grown-ups. It's fine to watch them and have fun with them, but people wanted to turn them into more than they were. I, I hope that that moment has ended. I guess that's it. It's like Crudes 2 is for your parents. Like, oh, Crudes, that one's not too bad. I could, I could stand the Crudes. Okay, we'll watch Crudes 2. In which case, over time, there's only going to be sequels. And we're not going to even get the occasional small foot. Small foot. That was one of the two Yeti or Sasquatch-themed children's films that came out in the last couple years. What was the name of the other one? Anybody see that one? Zendaya, Abominable, that's it. Zendaya is Mishi. It's true. The Missing Link, that's it. Damn, there were three? Fuck. Usually you only get two in a year. Missing Link. We do need a Crude's origin story where they're where it's like the Crude's uh like the Crude's ancestors as uh like very early hominids maybe or uh the aquatic apes if you believe that theory they could have Crude's like the Crude's great 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 grandparents are aquatic apes or modern day Crude's you could do like Cloud Atlas with Crude's throughout the ages like different crudes at different times in history. Ooh, some people are asking about me about Jimmy Dore, and I don't care. Uh, but somebody here has a, has a wonderful quote that I want to end on because this is the only question you should ask yourself about any of these these uh, uh, left wing media. Uh, flap doodles. I'm a Jimmy Dore fan. I don't care what you guys think. He's entertaining. If you like it, if you're entertained by it, then what, that's all that you're actually talking about. That's all you're actually talking about. If you like Jimmy Dore, it's because his specific like brand of like catharsis and like screaming at people and yelling at enemies. Like I mean, I've done my fair share of yelling at people. That's a reason that people tune into entertainment. If that hits your pleasure center, fine. If you find that hectoring and unpleasant and don't like it, don't think and, and there's no value add with like insight that you would want to be entertained, then I get that too. But whether he's right or not is not what determines any of this. Because it's like it's 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 Monday morning quarterbacking. It's it's it is sports radio. It's talk. It's calling in to talk about the Jets secondary. There's no relationship between what these people talk about, including myself, and a practical, appliable politics.
The Croods, folks. The Croods. Thank you for being the Croods. Do, 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 do. Traveling down the road and back again. Your heart is crude. You're a crude and a crude fanat. If you threw a crude and you invited every crude you nude, you would see the biggest crude would be for me. And the crude attached would say, thank you for being a crude.